but I can't pass up an opportunity to talk about the Magi. I'm so excited to start the new year off by joining these Magi, these wise men who come to pay homage and worship Jesus. In my household yesterday, we heard a few New Year's Eve or New Year's Day mottos. 22, a great year for you. 22, all shiny and new. 22, let's see what we can do. And how about 22, get your in the pew. or behind the TV screen or whatever. <laughs> well, 22, a new gift for you, truthfully. And today we focus on the gift of the Christ child as Jonathan did on Christmas Eve. And as the Magi do, they bring their gifts. So let's work with these Magi and ask ourselves um, what they bring us, what is in these gifts that they bring. Herod, of course, is always lurking. This is Herod Antipas, the son of Herod. No, I'm sorry, this is Herod the Great, um, who then would have other kids and who wiped out some of his family if he thought they were a threat. And so he, of course, is very scared to hear that there's a new king being born by this word that these magi bring. And so hoping to wipe out another power threat, Herod, of course, sends the Magi looking. But, of course, God gives them a heads up. And they, after finding the Christ child, go home another way. But I'd like for us to ask, what's in these gifts? I think these wise men uh, are preachers of sorts. Not only do they come and give Jesus gifts, they also give us a gift. That in their gifts, we see something of who and what Jesus is all about. Now, before I quite get to those gifts and what they tell us, let's pause for just a minute and see how important gifts and worship are how they go together. In the Hebrew scriptures, if you go way back, people would offer to God things of greatest importance. And they would be sometimes poured out or burnt up. They wouldn't go to any use. They simply gave what was most valuable to them to God. When we worship, we bring our time, which is probably the most valuable thing to people today, even though most of the time we usually spend it watching TV, according to all the studies. Nonetheless, time is huge. And so um, we give God even just an hour or two or three as we come and worship. But then we give God of our treasures. Um, so, and we sing, it's all a gift that we pour out to God. That's worship, giving God what is valuable to us. 
We have a need to do that. And these wise men, these magi from the east are great examples for us. But, but their gifts, we're told what they are. Matthew tells us. So why would Matthew, wouldn't, why wouldn't he just say, and they brought him valuable gifts? But no, he tells us exactly what they brought. They brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, for all of you practical people, as you know, Matthew tells us that to get away from Herod the Great, Joseph and Mary had to flee to Egypt. Well, how did they sustain themselves for all that time in Egypt? And I know there's issues with how do you merge this with Luke, but come and buy me a Starbucks coffee, and I'll tell you how to do that. But we won't worry about that this morning. So um, they, they have to flee. Well, how did they get along in Egypt for so long? Well, frankincense and myrrh are very valuable spices, spice and oil, and also gold. So, for you practical people, they brought Jesus something and Joseph and Mary something they needed very much. But of course, there's way more to it than that. When you look at gold, you look at that metal, especially for ancient people, that was the most precious thing. Um, you know, it, it was royalty. It proclaimed something about who Jesus was and is. He is the king. Um, to give him the finest, the most valuable thing on earth, at least back then, gold. A, a gift fit for a king. The gold tells us that what's happening in Bethlehem and what's happened is, is incredibly important, incredibly precious. But then the frankincense. What is this? Well, this is kind of a, uh, and yeah, there we go. We've got the pictures of them up there now. So um, these are, um, it, it, was, it was sometimes used as an incense. And in Leviticus, it's actually used in the temple um, to kind of purify um, the offerings to God. What does the frankincense tell us about who and what Jesus is? Well, when you think about this Leviticus 24, verse 7, if those of you want to write that down and look at it later, um, it is used um, in, for the bread of the presence. It goes along with the bread of the presence. Now, what the bread of the presence was in the, in the temple, in the tabernacle, even before the temple, in the tabernacle was God's very presence. It was um, symbolized that God was in that tabernacle, that that's the place where humanity and God meet. That's the place where we can connect with God. And so here, isn't it interesting that the bread of life in the manger has frankincense brought right alongside? What does the frankincense tell us? That Jesus is the very presence of God. And we've marveled and wondered about why and how God would come into the world um, and, and do so in such a meek and humble way. But what that shows you is that God's rule and reign in this world is different than Herod. It comes through weakness. It comes through service. It comes through humility. And that humility will go all the way to the cross to redeem us and bring us forgiveness of sin. It doesn't make sense to us 
But this is God's way, I think, of saying, you're not God, I am, and I'll come to you the way I want to come to you. I can tell you this, that as the, the biggest struggle with people who have a good intellect is they want to figure it out. They want God to make sense to them. And I can sit down and do that with people. There's lots of ways you can work through all those philosophical struggles. But think about the presumption in it. That I'll believe in you, God, as long as you make sense to me. The cross, the manger, all of it shows us that God will be God and we will not be God. And God comes to us hidden through this opposite way. And we see all of that here in the frankincense that's the, um, this incense to go along with the bread of life to purify, to sanctify, to make beautiful this offering that God gives us. But then we've got myrrh. Now myrrh, if you look at, at it biblically, was um, became like an oil. They'd make an oil out of it and they'd anoint people and anoint things. And um, if you look at the Old Testament, it's really interesting to see how it's used. But it too was used in this tabernacle for holy things. And then we hear in John that guess what they anointed Jesus' body with? Myrrh. So this foreshadows, this gift of the wise men foreshadows what Jesus would do for us, the greatest gift of all, that he would go for the, to the cross to take away our sin and give us his righteousness when he was raised from the dead. Oh, these gifts preach to us. It's so cool. They preach to us who and what Jesus is and what he's about. So those magi, they're preachers. And you've come to hear today to hear a word. My a good friend and colleague, Dick Johnson, a pastor, a retired pastor now, tells a story that Koss' daughter, White, tells about their Christmas growing up. They had a big family, Koss did, and uh, six children. And for some weeks before Christmas, she had observed him behave, uh, their youngest child, Joseph, uh, behaving kind of weird. He would come into a room, open a drawer or cupboard, crawl under a bed or behind a chair as if he were looking for something. Now, Koss's parenting philosophy was that if a child wasn't doing something wrong or doing anything dangerous, she'd give him lots of uh, grace. But finally, after some weeks of this going on, she had to ask what on the earth he was doing. What are you doing? To which Joseph said, uh, oh, nothing. Well, as Christmas drew near, she saw Joseph emerge from his room with a pile of presents. And Carmen, you can go to the next one. With a pile of presents. Oh, actually, I didn't get it up for the service. <laughs> Never mind. Envision a child with a handful of presents. They were clumsily wrapped one for each member of the large family. But mom had a moment of panic. 
She knew that Joseph, being seven years old, had little money to his name, and he wasn't the type to manage a craft project unassisted or unnoticed, for sure. There had been a couple instances of shoplifting, a candy bar, an eraser. I mean, the boy just didn't get all the nuances of morality so evident to adults. And now she wondered if these gifts, this pile of presents in his arms on Christmas morning, whatever they were, had been stolen. Well, it was a needless worry. His sister, Christine, was the first to open her gift. It was a hairbrush. Her favorite hairbrush, which had gone missing some months before. <laughs> Joseph had found it, wrapped it, and given it back to her. With each gift, it was the same. Each family member rediscovered a treasured object that somehow had been lost, misplaced, or forgotten in a chaotic household of eight people. But his gift to his mother was the most precious. It was a small statue of Mary and the child, the baby Jesus. She had picked it up in a yard sale some years before, and it had been sitting on her desk. Um, she had forgotten it was even there, and it had fallen off the desk some weeks before, and she hadn't even noticed it was gone. Now she looked at it with new eyes. And so did everyone else with their gifts, things they had taken for granted until they were gone, now they saw them in a new way. These magi help us see Jesus in a new way as they arrive. They bring us gifts that open our eyes to who and what Jesus is all about so that we hear the promise again and again that Jesus is the King. He is the Lord of Lords. He is God Almighty in the flesh. He's come to cleanse us and heal us through his dying, his service dying and rising. If you didn't know, I'll remind you again. The main reason this church exists is to keep giving you and the world that gift, the gift of God, Emmanuel, Jesus, and help you to see it anew each Sunday, each day. That is what you need. I wish I could somehow stop the, the enemy and somehow get into everyone's head and heart in this 2022 that you need to hear the promise over and over and over again to keep believing. Faith is not a once and done deal. But the old adversary says, you know all that church stuff. You don't need to go. You don't need to be there. You don't need to tune in from home or you don't need to actually show up and be there. I mean, we've got all these struggles that, with the, the virus and concerns and all that. Those are all legitimate. But the enemy wants to keep you from hearing the promise. 
You need to hear it over and over and over and over again to keep believing and keep trusting. See, because faith is not something that we conjure up in our mind or we figure out in our head. It's something that comes to us from the outside. It's the babe in the manger. That is what we need. And so, thanks be to God for the Magi who have come and helped us see the gift that we have all the time in the faith of our baptism. Every day, every moment, but we kind of forget about it until it gets wrapped up again and given to us. I pray that today you've heard the good news again, wrapped up again and reopened, and you'll receive it as you come to the table. A gift for you, anew, for 2022. Amen.